coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, the show that brings you enlightening conversations with industry leaders and franchise experts. I'm your host, Rob Ganley, and today we have the privilege of diving into the dynamic world of property restoration and franchising with a distinguished guest. Joining us on the show is none other than United Water Restoration Group President Bob Moore. Since 2008, United Water Restoration Group, under Bob Moore's leadership, has been at the forefront of helping thousands of home and business owners restore properties to pre-loss condition. With a steadfast commitment to excellence and a keen focus on personal attention, United Water Restoration Group consistently exceeds client expectations. Today, we'll explore Bob Moore's insights into property restor- into the property restoration industry and his remarkable uh, journey. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you so much, Rob. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. You got it. You got it. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your journey with the brand. Tell me a little bit about, how, you know, you've grown to about 80 locations. I think I have that right. You'll correct me. But that's a heck of an accomplishment. Tell me a little bit of how you, you know, some of the key principles or learnings you might have you know, garnered along the way. Sure. So I, I think a couple of key things for us as a brand that are part of our DNA. One is hustle. You know, our owners that, that founded the company in 2008 started with one van and, you know, at the beginning of an ugly recession and built it up to 15 locations across Florida during really ugly financial times. But they did that through hustling. And then the other thing is they always they want to take great care of the customer. So just making sure that that homeowner or business owner, wherever we are working, that we took great care of them and their property. Yeah, I mean, so tell me a little bit about you talk about a little bit about the hustle. Tell me a little bit about the brand, about the culture. You know, franchising is about being in business for yourself, but not by yourself, right? Yeah. And so there's a little bit of a line there where, you know, franchisees come in, they they learn a playbook. That's the point uh, that you've you've done some work to develop that. But there is that difference between the guys that started with their van that sort of work their way through those pitfalls, right? Because that's the hard part. Oh yeah, and, and I just I hear that, and I, I kind of laugh to myself like that. That was there were tough times, right? You just yeah. that's like we got to make something happen, right? And so that type of DNA is unique, and often I find that with the leaders of brands, they have that. But when you put a franchisee in, there is a balance. They need to have some of that, you know, get up and go, and and that you know being accountable. But it's also a system and a process. So how do you strike that balance in your culture when you're looking at that? Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, you know, one of the things I talk about with my team a lot is just, hey, respect our franchisees. They are independent business owners. They're not going to do everything perfectly. They all have their own set of strengths and weaknesses. And, and our job is to help them, you know, reach their business goals, you know, whatever that may be. We have some that want to become huge, large companies with, you know, tons of employees and others say, hey, I, I feel good if I'd have six, eight employees, that's a comfortable size for me, things like that. But, you know, helping them achieve their goals and, you know, 
supporting them in that uh, endeavor is, is really what I talk to my team a lot about. I show a slide in franchise training and I share it with my team. And I don't remember where the advertisement came from. There's a, a, a bicycle race. Looks like the Tour de France are going up the mountain, but one guy's on a tricycle. And I said, you know what? That guy could be the most fit cyclist, but he's not going to win the race on that piece of equipment. Our job in franchise support is to figure out well, what is that, that holding him back. For some, it's their, their marketing, you know, or their sales. For others, it's their operations. For others, they're doing those right, but it's their admin billing collection procedure, you know. So, yeah. you know, that's really where it starts with our franchisees. We have a good system. We have a proven model. And then our team just looks at them and, and says, okay, where are they struggling and how can we help? And then, you know, in dealing with franchisees, I, you know, I was at a conference one time and someone said, you know, dealing with franchisees is like herding cats, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah. So, you know, and that's where we just have to figure out. And we, we talk a lot about, you know, how do we get through? How do we break through and really connect with the different franchisees and find that lever that really gets them to, to make the changes they need to and, and be motivated to do that? Yeah. No, and that, what you're saying is not, well, first of all, all brands are a little different. All industries, all business models. Yeah. The beauty of franchising is part of it is you start off where what fits you, right? So like there's formulaic sort of models where you do follow these step-by-step -step processes, but most of the brands I've worked with over my career are, you know, frameworks. They're, they're mm -hmm. you know, because not everybody has the same business goals. It could be the sure. same business, but different goals. And, yep. and so you've got to kind of have a framework that works with those goals. So that's, yeah. that's really hard to do. I mean, the only other way to get that done is to pay, pay the right people, the right consultants, the right, the right coaches, the right whoever's that, that give you answers, which you would have a hard time finding. That's the beauty of franchising is that you could find people that are so dialed into exactly what you're doing to, right. to help you find, like you said, the lever. It's so key to find that one thing that is like, you're, you're on a tricycle, man. The grass with scissors, man, there's a better way. Um, right. Anyway, so so tell me a little bit about when I think of your your industry, you know, I think of sort of like, you know, when I need something like that, it's like I need it. It's it's right. not driven by, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a desire I have. It's it's a response to something. And and so in your industry, you've got to respond to a variety of things that re result from events that no one really controls a lot. And and sometimes they're big things like hurricanes or uh, you know other natural disasters. And then some other times they're just just to related to the house, right? Right. Um, but tell me, how do you deal with the idea that your franchisees have to be able to respond effectively and efficiently in those scenarios, no matter what it is, right? In, in, a, in a sense, because if I call you guys after a hurricane or after whatever's going on, I just need help, right? And right. so the ability to just help me is really what makes you unique. So tell me a little bit about how you guys accomplish that so that your customers walk away saying, man, thank God they were there. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what, so tell me how that works. I mean, yeah. that must be difficult that's, uh, without a franchise brand behind you. Yeah, that's that's a really keen observation because I tell you, when our phone rings, the person on the other end is usually a little frantic or emotional in some way. They're charged, right? Something unfortunate has happened that usually isn't planned for. Um, so we talk about that, you know, even in the onboarding and, and, you know, as we're going through the process with prospects and talking to them, making sure that they understand the kind of business that they're getting into. So that's really when the conversation begins. And then we just add to that um, during the franchise training. One of the things we do, and it sounds silly, is we, we said, we're going to teach how to answer the phone. 
And they, they look at you funny. We're dealing with grown adults and they look at you kind of like, you know, well, I know how to answer the phone. I said, well, sure. You, I mean, everybody knows how to answer the phone, but do you know how to answer the phone and get all the information you need and be empathetic on the phone at the same time? You know, and so then what we do is we have our, our corporate locations across the street. We have our headquarters and, you know, we have nine corporate locations still. And so we have a team over there and they field these calls all the time. So we get them to be the customer. And oh, my gosh, they have a blast with that. They, you know, because they get to like relive their most crazy calls that they've, you know, taken over the years. And they get to be the, you know, the, the crazy customer or just however they act. And it's really funny. We talk about it, but I see every training cycle, the franchise is like, all right, my turn. And then they start to take the call and it's on speakerphone. And you can see them there like they, they have a reaction to it because they realize, OK, I understand now what you're talking about when it's live. And almost every franchisee in our brand has also said to me, I'm so glad I, I dealt with my first customer call and training and not the first one that, that came through. Like when that first call came through at my business when I opened I've, I took a few calls and I had some practice, you know, so yeah. it, it, yeah. the, key is, the key is just being empathetic and putting yourself in their shoes and saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that that just happened. And, you know, let's let me get some information from you. We'll get someone out to you quickly and see if we're able to help you. And, yeah. and most people are pleased with that. If you're if you're empathetic and you're responsive and you try and, you know, get someone out absolutely as quick as possible, that's all they're looking for in that moment. Yeah, right. I mean, part of, I know as a marketer, part of your industry is very much about using uh, uh, marketing methods that people reach out to in emergencies like Google, let's say. Yeah. And so you get on Google, you start Googling and you just need a phone number and you make calls. So a lot of the game is just the first person that yeah. gets the call. And yep. that's why the idea of answering the phone, learning how to answer the phone is so key, right? Oh, yeah. And like, that's when the sales actually made, right? Like if you yeah. if you fumble at that point because you got the call, then you've really probably really missed that empathy part, right? You really blew yeah. it. Like, like yeah. you'd have to. But I mean, that's that's so important. That reminds me of of my background in sales and marketing is is a lot of the sales training, a lot of the a lot of that back and forth, right? That you pretend you know, to be in a sales call. And, right. But it does. It, it's helpful. You you don't really think of what people might be going through and what that what, what might handle how you might react to it. So yeah. it's important. But tell me a little bit more about some of the infrastructure that goes into running one of these businesses. Like you guys obviously have the playbook. You have the checklist. You know what what the best of the best is at the best budget. But tell me, like, what does it take infrastructure wise to to support a business like this? Yeah. One of the, one of the key, you know, we talk a lot about people, right? Because franchisees, when they come on board, you know, there's a lot of different roles within our company. You have field marketing role, you have, um, you know, the, the technicians going out and doing the work and things like that. And you admit, have administrative roles. And, and, you know, so we talked to our franchisees in the beginning, what role are you going to do? You know, some people want to get hands-on. They want to learn the business. They're going to go out and be that technician starting out and things like that. Others have said, Bob, I don't ever want to go out on those jobs. You know, I'm going to hire people to do that part of it. I just want to scale my business. So it really begins, you know, with a conversation with them about what they want to do. But I can tell you, our most successful franchisees all have a full-time field marketer. Right. You know, you'll appreciate this coming from the marketing field. You have to have someone out there promoting your business, you know, um, getting your name out there, staying in front of, of, of you know, uh, the competition, trying to develop, you know, relationships. And we really, truly, you know, talk about that in training a lot about it. it's not transactional. You're not just looking for jobs. You're looking for companies you can partner with, people who will refer jobs to you. 
And then just know that when these other companies, you know, because a lot of our work, anybody in the, the home services field can refer work to us, a handyman, a plumber, HVAC companies, right? These are all the companies that refer work to us. Mm-hmm. And, and we always talk to our franchisees about when they call you, they're entrusting their customer to you. So you not only have to take great care of that customer because it's the right thing to do for that customer, you have to do it and be respectful of that you know, referral source, whoever brought you into that home, because they were there first, you know, whether it was HVAC company who's changing out a unit and found a ton of mold behind it, you know, or a a handyman who's, or a, you know, kitchen remodel company that pulled down a bunch of cabinets and found mold or, you know, busted a pipe or something happened, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, uh, the business model, when I think of your business, right. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is the idea that it's recession proof because of what we're talking about. Yeah. And, um, and, and well, let me just comment before I get into the recession proof question. I wanted to just comment that in models where you have the opportunity to partner with other businesses, it's very stable, like relying just on inbound disasters, <laughs> like right. hoping that enough people call everyone with the flood is really difficult. What you have to find is partners that have customers and clients that face those problems. And then you can come right. in and be an extension of them. But having that opportunity and understanding how to leverage it is another thing that a franchise brand brings to the table that I think is, a, you, you might think of it's very routine and common sense. To me, a lot of independent business owners wouldn't think of partnering with other businesses. It just right. wouldn't be the first thing they think of. And to me, when I think of home services, a lot of home services brands or even restaurants, a lot of brands, most of them have that element to them where they can partner with other professionals, other businesses. And I think that's extremely important in yeah. a local business model, right? Yeah. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit about like as president, right? You um, obviously you're proud of your brand and what, it, what is it? Maybe it's a little bit of a forward thinking question, but um, I, I, well, let me, let me get back to the recession proof. So the recession proof industry, right? When I think of your industry, I think of recession proof. What do you, what contributes to that? Tell me a little bit more for anyone who's kind of not thinking that through. What makes this industry so powerful when, sure. when, when we look at that? Sure. I think it goes back to the point you made earlier, Robin, and that's it's it's a uh, a need-based business, right? Most of the time when we're called out, it wasn't for something that was planned. It happened, but you have to resolve it. You know, you can't just go and have a hole in your ceiling from where water broke through on a busted pipe and not fix that, right? So you know, it's a, it's a need-based business. It's not a want or a fad or something that, that, you know, can come and go, you know, when we're called out for, for whatever reason, it's, it's because something needs to get taken care of, you know, to get, get you back to normal. Um, so pipes don't care if the economy is doing good or bad, they're going to bust, you know, hurricanes and floods and, and fires and those kinds of things. Those are happening regardless of what's happening in the economy. They're not impacted by the, you know, interest rate or, you know, any of those kinds of things. So I wish they were sometimes, right? Right. No kidding. They just, they just happen. So, you know, if you're doing the right things out there and marketing your business and, and, and forming those relationships, you know, regardless of what's going on in that economy, you know, you're going to, you're going to stay busy. Yeah. And so the macro factors associated with, with this kind of model then would be the fact that we're just, we're populations grown, we're building more houses, we have more people that yeah. need these services, period. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You have more houses, you have more potential for floods and fires. And so yeah. this model is recession proof as long as we keep evolving. 
yeah. as a human as humanity, right? Yeah. Uh, so that, but that's the that's the bottom line because you know when you look at business models and you're making an investment in something, you want to think about these things, right? And right. to me, it's like it is it is one of those things you can cross off your list. There are models where. It may you may suffer a little more uh, in yeah. in down economies. Um, so anyway, but that's cool. So tell me a little bit about the forward thinking part now. Like as president, you're proud of your brand, and and you probably you know there's obviously other franchise brands that do what you do. Tell me a little bit about what you feel is unique when you're talking to to a potential investor, prospect, owner. Um, sure. What is it you like to kind of hone in on a little bit? Well, one of it is you know simply our size. We're an emerging brand. You know. 33 franchisees, you know, with, 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 you know, 118 territories out there and things like that. We're a small brand. So when, when we bring on a, a you know, franchisee, it's not a number. Years ago, when I was a, a franchisee with Domino's, I don't know, I was a 8,000th franchisee with them or whatever. I owned four stores. <laughs> I was a number and not to the local team and things like that. And I get it. You're huge. But I think that's one of our advantages. We can move very, very quickly, right? Um, I'll give you an example. When COVID started, being in the business still, um, we noticed a dip in our phone calls. We were a Florida-based company. Our corporate location is, as I said, across from receptionists. And we started hearing weird things like, okay, so you have a busted pipe and you're standing in six inches of water, but you you don't want us to come out to your house, right? Because people were scared. So we asked ourselves, man, what's happening? What what are we going to do to replace this revenue? Well, our chemicals are already CDC approved for COVID. It's already all on the labels and everything. A really bad mold job. You're fully kitted up in a full face respirator and Tyvek suit anyway. So we had everything we needed. So literally we said, let's do some COVID clean. Businesses who are impacted by this are going to need to be cleaned. And so literally within a day, we had marketing material created, had a call with our franchisees and those who raised their hands, we got marketing material out to them literally within a day and we were out hitting the streets. So we beat a lot of our competition to that revenue stream simply because we were small, you know, mm-hmm. whereas if you're bigger and larger, sometimes you have to go through more decision making processes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I work for owners who are like, let's go, let's go. We'll try it. We'll yeah. try it four or five things, you know, not all will work, but we're going to try, you know, if it seems like a good idea. And so yeah. that that's, that's one of the things I think makes us a, a little bit different because um, we're young and, and small brand. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is I, th- I think we're that I love about our company. We're still in the restoration business. You know, the owners of our company own nine locations out there and are doing the same things our franchisee are doing facing the same struggles day in and day out. Um, and as a matter of fact, today, some exciting news. Um, one of our, our corporate vice presidents, he used to work for our corporate locations here in Florida. Uh, he had moved to Dallas and he expressed a desire to become a franchisee. So our owners financially backed him and he's going to open up five offices over the next two years in the Dallas market. So our owners are not only the franchisor, they're franchisees in their own concept, in addition to owning nine locations. So I think that is, is something that makes us unique in our, our industry as well. Now, I, I, when you said, well, especially it resonated with me the first part, especially because we were saying earlier about frameworks and meeting people's goals and, you know, franchise is a playbook, but it's also, it can be flexible. I think y- y- you lose some of that as you get bigger, right? Because yeah. you just can't, it's not, you know, you just can't be as flexible and be efficient. Uh, I think that's huge, right? Yeah. That's huge. Like if I were making, if I was t- talking to someone about you know, making an investment in a franchise, to me that if you're the kind of person that likes to be innovative a little bit, even 
Like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, especially what you just said. I, I did have a client in your, in your industry that really had a record break, record breaking year because of that cleaning revenue yeah. stream. And, uh, so that, uh, that is amazing. And that, again, is the power of being in a franchise where you got, in your case, at least 80 mines, right? 80 locations, all thinking the same way, thinking, how do we solve this one problem? And, and when you do that, you, you get amazing answers, yeah. amazing solutions. So, but tell me, like, with all this technology, I'm in the tech world and I'm doing a lot of stuff with, with AI and, you, you know, a lot of buzzwords, a lot of things happening. I, I hear things about uh, certainly um, homes being uh, smarter, right? Being being uh, equipped with uh, some technology. Is there anything that you see evolving at all in your industry? I know it's about disasters and, and us responding to things that we don't control. So obviously right. that won't change. But but is there things that you see changing that that you're preparing for or thinking about now? Sure. We're always looking at, at different things in, in terms of that can help our business model. And I'll give you a perfect example. It's not perfected yet, but when you have a water job, you can go out, you have to, you go out, you initially you get on site very quickly. You might, you know, use a flood pumper and suck up some water, you know, maybe rip out some padding and carpet and you place a bunch of equipment to dry it out. Right. Well, you also have to come back every day and you go monitor because it might take three or four days to dry out that, that location. So each day you send a technician back out and you, and you get readings. So, you know, is it, how is it progressing? Is my equipment placement and all those kind of things drying the structure effectively? Well, that takes manpower, right? And time. And if you're growing your business, that can be challenging because you have new jobs coming in. So there's equipment out there now that, you know, they have remote monitoring that, that basically tap into that homeowner's maybe Wi-Fi and that you can send those readings back. You can place some, some things there and, and get remote readings rather than send a technician, right? So we've tested a couple of different options. We haven't pulled the trigger on one yet, but all of those types of things, you know, um, just ways to make the job easier for our, for our technicians, be more efficient in terms of our labor, all those, all those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, again, and I always talk about the levers, you mentioned levers early in the conversation, it, yeah. you know, technology, if technology can affect a lever, then maybe it's, it's something you need to look at. Right. Yeah. Otherwise it's just noise. It's not yeah. really relevant to your business. It's uh, I think Jeff Bezos was, was coined saying this, that someone asked him about, you know, what, what do you see changing in the future, Jeff? I and mean, this was probably in the 2000s. And he, he kind of responded like, well, we focus on things that we don't think will change, right? Like people want packages faster. Right. <laughs> like they, they, they wouldn't want it smaller. So, so, so like, what, what can we do to deliver packages faster, right? So it's right. like that kind of a use of technology. Um, but that's, yeah, that's exactly it. And, and when you have a franchise brand behind you uh, to think about those things, it's like, that's a level that you just will never do as a small right. business owner. Just not right. thinking you don't have time, right? Yeah. But what an amazing thing. If you could save someone, oh, by the way, we have a new innovation. We can save you 10 hours per employee per week, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just an amazing insight. So before I let you go, I wanted you to share the best way people can, can learn more and uh, about your opportunity um, sure. as, as far as business ownership. And then also, um, do you have any tips for someone that might be looking in this industry for an opportunity? Right. And you know, just what are those summary tips that you would give them as yeah. they reach out? That's, that's a great question. I think first and foremost would be pick the right industry, right? And understand the industry you're getting into. Um, 
I'll give you an example. You know, I was a, I was a franchisee with Domino's and I knew what I was getting into. I was going to working with a lot of young people, right? Because that's who the employees are most of the time in your pizza stores. So if I was, you know, looking for an environment where I was going out and working with, you know, mid-level professional people, that wouldn't have been a good fit, you know? So I think first and foremost, pick the right industry. Once, once you do that, you know, it's pretty easy to narrow down the, the uh, choices. Go visit a, a few different brands in that industry and pick the one that feels the best for you. You know, it, I, I like that gut feeling you get when you you just there's something about that connection with the brand that that really just resonates. I've had so many of our franchisees say the same thing about their experience with us and, and with our competitors, too. Listen, I'm not you know bashing our competitors. We have great competitors in the industry and some people don't choose us and they choose other people. But those would be the things I would say to to help them. So. Yeah. And what's the best way they can find? Yeah. How do they get a hold of you guys? Uh, best way to reach you. So it would be at our at our website, uwrgfranchising.com. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, th this has been extremely insightful. Um, I know, you know, I'm trying to, you know, we're talking about restoration and, and things that none of us want to think about unless it, it does happen. But I think if, if, if it was clear to me that you guys are good at what you do, right? Bottom line, it's it's my dad used to work for the phone company and he summed it up one time and said he was an IT tech guy. He said, if the dial tone isn't there every time, then it's just like, there's no point. Like it, it has to be hundred percent. Right. And right. for you guys, you respond, you fix a problem. It has to be hundred percent. And that's what you do. And, and I think the feeling of being able to do that, I, I, well, I know I've worked with a lot of brands in that kind of do what you do in terms of they help people in my yeah. mind, like you're helping people in a time of need. And that's yeah. a real profound thing. And I think that, you know, so if you're the kind of person looking for a business that also makes you feel like people really appreciated what you just did for them. If that feels good to you, then this is, this is an amazing opportunity. You know what yeah. I mean? To me, you can't get that with other things. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the five-star reviews really meant something when you read those kind of reviews, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But anyway, I appreciate your time, Bob. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I uh, just want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And uh, again, look forward to bringing uh, more stories to you in the future. And bye for now. Right.